Hello and welcome to the Desiland Masala podcast. Desi is a word used to describe the peoples and cultures of the Indian subcontinent, especially in the diaspora. It derives from a Sanskrit word meaning land or country. Masala is a name used for a mixture of various kinds of ground spices that add flavor to Indian cuisine. It can also be used to describe other types of mixings, such as culture or cuisines. Desiland Masala is focused on the diverse peoples and cultures experienced in North America by those who are blessed with Desi friends, co-workers, and neighbors. This is episode number 18, State Masala, Goa, and I'm your host, Andy Pierce. India has 28 states. States are normally defined by the main language spoken, but within each state there is a masala of cultures, festivals, foods, communities, religious practices, and other languages. With this episode, Esilam Masala continues a virtual audio tour of the states most likely to be represented by Desis in North America. I will describe each of the states in a way that will help us understand and get to know Desis we encounter. In this episode, we will visit a small coastal state bordered by both Karnataka and Maharashtra. I traveled to the state of Goa about six years ago and stayed in a beachside resort and enjoyed experiencing the culture and the surroundings, as well as the food, which was infused with coconut and coconut sauces, as well as seafood. It's different from many other Indian states in many ways, but primarily is due to the Portuguese influences. So Goa is geographically separated from the Deccan Plateau or the highlands by the Western Ghats or steppes. Maharashtra is to the north and Karnataka is to the east and south. The Arabian Sea is to the west. It is India's smallest state by area, 1,429 square miles, or 3,702 square kilometers, and it's the fourth largest state by population. Goa also has the highest GDP per capita among all Indian states, about two and a half times as high as the GDP per capita of the country as a whole. Panaji is the capital of Goa, and the largest city is Vasco da Gama. The historic city of Margao in Goa still exhibits the cultural influence of the Portuguese, who first traveled to the Indian subcontinent in the early 16th century as merchants, and soon after uh, conquered uh, a large portion of the Indian subcontinent. And then Goa became an overseas territory of the Portuguese empire uh, part of which was then known as Portuguese India and remained that way for about 450 years until it was annexed by India in 1961. Goa's official language, which is spoken by most of its residents, is Konkani. Goa is visited by large numbers of international and domestic tourists, such as myself, each year because of its beaches, active nightlife, and as well as temples and Catholic churches. It also has quite a bit of World Heritage listed architecture, as well as rainforests in the eastern part of the state with large, a large variety of animals and birds and plants. So it's actually one of the most uh, diverse uh, hotspots in terms of biodiversity in the world. Looking at the history of Goa, in the 3rd century BC, Goa was part of the 
empire that was ruled by the Buddhist empire Ashoka the Great. So Buddhist monks laid the foundation of Buddhism in Goa. And then a succession of Hindu rulers, mostly Hindu rulers, uh, and, then, uh, and then the Mughals uh, took over Goa. And there were a lot of changes, uh, including the Delhi Sultanate, which ruled in the 14th century for about 70 years. But in 1510, the Portuguese defeated the ruling uh, Sultan, uh, who was named Yusuf Adil Shah uh, with the help of a local ally and they set up a permanent settlement, the Portuguese did, in Goa. That was the beginning of the Portuguese colonial rule in Goa that, as I said before, lasted about 450 years. In 1843, the Portuguese moved the capital of, of Goa uh, to uh, Pan Panaji, that's P-A-N-A-J-I, from uh, Velha Goa. By the mid 18th century, uh, the Portuguese lost other possessions in India, other parts of the territory, until the border stabilized and formed Goa. After India gained independence from the British in 1947, India requested that the Portuguese territories that were contained within the new nation of India uh, be turned over to India. The Portuguese refused to negotiate that, uh, but on December 19th, 1961, the Indian army invaded uh, Goa, and that result was that Goa became part of the Indian Union. On 16th January, 1967, a referendum was held in Goa to decide its future, and it, was, uh, off it offered uh, Goan people, so that's what uh, residents of Goa are called Goan, a choice of uh, continuing as a union territory or merging with the state of Maharashtra, and the majority chose to be a union territory, uh, which is a state. And so in 1987, uh, India was made, uh, Goa was made India's 25th state. Goa is, uh, as I said before, a coastal country, and the Western Ghats rise up to the east, the range of mountains which separate it from the Deccan Plateau. There's a high point in Goa of 3,829 feet or 1,167 meters. And the coastline is 99 miles or about 160 kilometers. And as I said before, rainforest or equatorial forest uh, cover a large part of Goa. That's about 550 square miles or 1,424 square kilometers, most of which is owned by the government. The uh, Western Ghats, which, as I said, form most of the eastern part of Goa, are recognized as a hotspot of biodiversity and even compared with the Amazon and the Congo basins for its rich tropical biodiversity. And so Goa's wildlife sanctuaries have more than 1,500 documented species of plants almost 300 species of birds and almost 50 species of animals, uh, as well as many species of rectangles. Goa is famous for coconut cultivation. And so the uh, coconut uh, has a major influence in the cuisine as well. Rice is the main food crop, as well as pulses. And another common crop is uh, ragi which is finger millet, uh, but again, the main 
crops are coconut, cashew nut, sugarcane, as well as fruits like pineapple, mango, and banana. The primary industry of Goa, as you might imagine, is tourism. It gets 12% of the foreign tourist arrivals in India. It has two main tourist seasons, winter and summer. In the winter, tourists come from mainly European countries. In the summer, which is the rainy season, tourists come from all across India, so more domestic tourists. I was actually there in early uh, or mid-June, which is before the rainy season, and so the, the rates are very low because that is a downtime for tourism. It's not the winter, and uh, and not the not quite the uh, the summer at that point. The land away from the coast coast is rich in minerals and ore. So mining is the second largest industry. Iron, bauxite, manganese, and uh, different kinds of clays are mined. The main agricultural crop as I mentioned, is uh, growing coconut, but also rice. And then fishing is a major industry. It employs about 40,000 Goans, and so that is a major industry. So a native of Goa is called a Goan, and the population, which I haven't mentioned yet, is about 1.5 million people. And again, the fourth least populated state of, of uh, India. Uh, in terms of uh, languages, uh, the first language, as I mentioned, is Konkani, which is K-O-N-K-A-N-I, spoken by about 66% of people in the state, uh, and, but almost all Goans can speak and understand that language. A large population of Goans can speak and understand English as well. Uh, other uh, languages uh, are Marathi, about 11%. Uh, these are first languages, Hindi, about 10%, but many would be able to read and understand Hindi as well. Uh, Kannada, about 6%, uh, Urdu, about 3%, and then there's still a remnant, or maybe about 1%, who can speak, uh, who speak Portuguese as their first language. According to the most recent census, about two-thirds of Goans identify as Hindu, about 25% as Christian, and a large percentage of the Christians would be Catholic Christians, not Protestants, but 8% Muslim and 0.1% Sikh. And so uh, the estimated population, at, uh, Catholic population uh, in, in Goa in the, uh, in the uh, 1900s was 80%. So that's been a, a change. Uh, and the tourism, uh, as I said, I stayed in a coastal resort, and so the beaches are very famous, and a, uh, they're, they're also tourist uh, sites. Uh, I visited the Bomb uh, Jesus Cathedral, and that was where it is believed that the uh, bones of uh, St. Francis of Xavier are buried. Uh, and so that's one of the two World Heritage Sites, the Bomb uh, Jesus Basilica or cathedral, and then there are many uh, churches and convents in, in Old Goa, and, uh, and so this is a, a place of pilgrimage for many Catholics. The architecture is a mixture of Portuguese and Indian styles, so quite uh, distinct, and uh, the food 
uh, as I mentioned before, a, a large coconut influence, but uh, rice with fish curry is a staple in Goa. So every meal I had at the resort just about had uh, fish curry with rice. Uh, also, uh, there are, there's a wide variety of fish that is cooked uh, and coconut and coconut oil are, are widely used in uh, cooking along with chili peppers, spices, and vinegar. And so the food does have a unique flavor. It's also heavily influenced by Portuguese cuisine and many um, uh, unique dishes as well in Goa. And so until uh, in the early 1970s, there were large populations of Goans in the diaspora, but mostly in the Middle East, Africa, and Europe. So historically, the former British colonies of Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania, as well as the Portuguese colonies, as you might imagine in Africa, of Mozambique and Angola. But the end of colonial rule uh, brought an end to that migration. Uh, and then with the liberalization of the immigration policy in the U.S. in, the, in 1965, more and more Goans came to the U.S. as well as Canada. And so uh, where I live in Southern California, there is a organization called Goans of America, Los Angeles chapter that was founded in 1970. And according to the website, there are over 400 Goan families in Southern California today. And so they meet together uh, from time to time and seek to unify that community. And uh, there are small Goan communities in Canada as well. And so uh, we don't meet as many Goans, but when we do, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for a friend from a unique and diverse uh, area of India. I've met, uh, I met a Goan student about six or seven years ago who was a uh, wonder, wonderful friend and, and a, a great ambassador for that state. So in our next episode, we'll resume our southward journey and visit the southwestern state of India called Kerala, another small one. Uh, what I would like to thank my producer, Wendy, and thank you for listening to the Desiland Masala podcast. You may follow on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Till next time, goodbye.